0: This is the Read to Lead Podcast, episode 274. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt, author of Your Best Year Ever, a five-step plan for achieving your most important goals. Make sure your year includes moments reserved for this. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. Hi, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. you found a podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. My name is Jeff, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. And the Read to Lead podcast will help you narrow this reading list and bring you the key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. Now, most weeks, we get those insights and ideas straight from the horse's mouth. Today, I have for you an audio summary, my summary of a book I finished just last week. That book is called Free to Focus, a total productivity system to achieve more in less time. Oh no, no. A total productivity system to achieve more by doing less. It's written by number 1 Wall Street Journal and New York Times best-selling author Michael Hyatt. Michael's been on the show before to talk about his book Your Best Year Ever. I'll link to that interview in the show notes which, by the way, can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 274. Now, Michael begins the book by asserting that most people think that productivity is about finding or saving time, but it's not. Time is a zero-sum game. We all get 168 hours a week, right? You don't get any more or any less time than me or anybody else. So how is it, then, that some people manage to accomplish so much and still have plenty of time for rest, and family, and friends, and more, well, showing you how to do that, too, is the promise that Free to Focus makes, and it's one of the most practical books I've read in quite some time. Now, I mentioned I finished it last week. This book was our selection of the month in my online book club called Read to Lead University. Just last week, those of us in the club met to talk about the book, and you can find out more about Read to Lead University, by the way, at readtoleaduniversity.com. All right, let's dive in. Michael divides the book into three sections or steps with each step, including three actions. Now, we won't have time to go through all nine of those actions, but we'll cover most of them. Step one in the book is stop. Now, you may be saying... Wait a second, a productivity book that begins by telling you to stop, shouldn't the first step be go? Well, that, Michael says, is what most productivity systems get wrong. They go right into showing you how to work better or faster, but they never stop to ask why. And Michael says, unless you know why you're working, you can't properly evaluate how you're working. The first action in this section is formulate. This chapter is all about identifying what you want. Michael asserts that productivity isn't about efficiency or even success. Instead, productivity should free you to pursue what's most important to you. In other words, freedom. Michael defines freedom in four ways. Freedom to focus, freedom to be present, freedom to be spontaneous, and freedom to do nothing. We should design our lives first and then tailor our work to meet our lifestyle objectives. The second action under stop is evaluate, and here you'll determine your course. It's here that Michael introduces the four zones of productivity, one of my favorite parts of the book. We'll start with zone four. That's the drudgery zone. As the name implies, it includes the tasks you have no passion and no proficiency for. Basically, these are things you hate doing and you're not good at doing them anyway. (laughs) Then there's zone three, the disinterest zone. These are things you're proficient at, but aren't that passionate about. Sure, you can do these things and maybe you can even do them better than most people, but these are tasks that drain your energy. Zone two is the distraction zone. Now, in this zone, things get a bit more tolerable. These are tasks you're passionate about, but unfortunately, you have little proficiency for. Now, this means these activities aren't draining your energy and you enjoy doing them. But if you aren't careful, they can be massive wastes of your time. Now, another insightful issue that Michael points out here is that your passion can mask your lack of proficiency in this zone. You're not good at these tasks, in other words, and you're the last person to know it. Now, finally, there's your desire zone. With these tasks, you're both passionate and proficient. And herein lies the key to productivity that Michael says most either take for granted or miss completely. And it's this. True productivity is about doing more of what's in your desire zone and less of everything else. The more time you spend in your desire zone, the more good you not only do for yourself, but for the rest of the world. But if productivity comes down to doing more things in your desire zone and less of everything else, then why aren't most of us doing that already? Michael addresses this as well. He says it comes down to our mindset. We need to turn our limiting beliefs into liberating truths. What's a limiting belief? Well, limiting beliefs limit our potential and establish false constricting boundaries that prevent us from accomplishing bigger and better things. Michael lists seven common limiting beliefs in the context of productivity, but probably the most common limiting belief is this, I just don't have enough time. The liberating truth, Michael says, that you need to replace that limiting belief with is I have all the time I need to accomplish what matters most. Now let's move to the second section or step two of the book. First was stop, the second step, is cut. Now, here you learn to eliminate, automate, and delegate the various tasks coming across your desk on any given day. Eliminating tasks starts with saying no to new tasks coming in that you've identified aren't in your desire zone. You need to flex your no muscle, Michael says. Now, if you struggle with saying no, you have to realize you've already been saying no Every time you say yes, this was revelatory to me. There's always a trade-off, Michael says. For example, when you say yes to dinner with a colleague, you're saying no to dinner with your spouse that evening or time with your kids or whatever it is. Now, your calendar can be a great tool, too, for saying no for you. I use this quite often. There's very little white space on my calendar as a week gets underway. That's in part because I want to be intentional with my time. Now, things come up that I hadn't planned for, to be sure, but if I've accounted for nearly all of my time, even if it's, say, three hours for deep work, or 30 minutes over here to think, or an hour over there to read... When I've accounted for nearly all of my time and someone asks for some of it, it becomes immediately obvious to me what I have to be willing to give up in order to say yes to that new request. It's right there on my calendar, right in front of me. It may be a commitment I've made to myself, but if that's a commitment I want to keep, then I tell the person asking for my time, I have another commitment I'll have to say no, or we'll have to do this some other time. In Michael's words, I can't accept a new request without coming back on a commitment I've already made, even if that original commitment was to myself. The second step, cutting, also includes delegating. And according to Michael, there are five levels of delegation. This is something I struggle with a great deal. Now, in level one delegation, you want the person to do exactly what you've asked them to do. No more, no less. In Level 2, you want the person to examine and research a topic and report back to you. That's it. In Level 3, you're giving the person more room to operate and participate in the problem-solving process, but you're still reserving the final decision for yourself. Rather than stopping at reporting their findings as in Level 2, you're expecting them to make a recommendation based on those findings. In Level 4, you want the person to evaluate the options, make a decision on their own, execute the decision, and then give you an update after the fact. And finally, in level five delegation, you're effectively handing the entire project or task over to someone else and exiting the decision altogether. And now you've effectively cloned yourself. And that brings us to the third and final section or final step in the book to achieve more by doing less, and that is ACT. Now, this involves, among other things, prioritizing your tasks. This starts with designing your week, and that begins with what Michael calls the weekly preview. Now, a key step in this process is identifying the three most important to-dos during the upcoming week. He calls it your weekly big three. Think of it this way. If by the end of the week you could accomplish only three things, which three would you like for them to be? From there, each morning, you'll identify your big three tasks for that day, your daily big three. These daily tasks, as you might have guessed, will often be made up of the smaller steps you need to take to accomplish your weekly big three. And finally, there's activate. In this chapter, Michael makes several recommendations for eliminating the distractions we all face every single day. For starters, he recommends checking things like your email inbox and Slack and other similar notifications only two to three times per day and at predetermined times. Some focus tactics, Michael suggests, include leveraging technology to manage technology. An app called Freedom is one he uses to eliminate what apps and websites you can access during dedicated periods of deep work. Make sure you're listening to the right music is another, Michael says. Now, you may think listening to music is counterproductive, but it can be super productive as long as it's the right music. Focus at Will, for example, is an app I've used for this very purpose, the purpose of drowning out distractions and helping me keep on task. Michael recommends it here as well. Make your workspace work for you by taking charge of your environment. Variety can re-energize us and facilitate deep work i for example like working outside on my deck as the weather permits consider decluttering your workspace and i understand this is easier said than done sometimes i'm pointing the finger right back at me it's one i'm still working on there are so so many books (laughs) and lastly michael urges us to increase our frustration tolerance. And when I realized what he meant by this, it occurred to me that this was also an area I could stand to make mass improvements in. Now I find often that when I get stumped on something tough, I can be tempted to want to give my brain a break by switching to something more enjoyable. Now, Michael says, though, that the longer you can sit with the challenge of important uphill tasks and the difficult emotions that often come with them, the more effective you'll be and the more likely you'll be to finish your projects and achieve your goals. So notice when the impulse to bail comes, you can choose to ignore it. It can be that simple. The more you do, the stronger your frustration tolerance becomes. I hope you found that helpful. That's my summary, my audio summary of the book Free to Focus: a Total Productivity System to achieve more by doing less by New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal best-selling author, Michael Hyatt. You'll find a link to the book, to my previous interview with Michael, and a summation of these thoughts at my website. Go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 274 for episode 274. And again, if you'd like to find out more about Read to Lead University and our book club, just visit readtoleaduniversity.com. For questions or comments, feel free to share those with me directly. You can email me, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you again next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead.